turn in your Bibles, please, to 1 Kings chapter 12. We continue our study through uh, Kings, 1 Kings chapter 12, and we'll read verses 25 through 33. 1 Kings 12, verse 25. Then Jeroboam built Shechem in the mountains of Ephraim and dwelt there. Also he went out from there and built Penuel. And Jeroboam said in his heart, Now the kingdom may return to the house of David. If these people go up, if these people go up to offer sacrifices in the house of the Lord at Jerusalem, then the heart of this people will turn back to their Lord, Rechaboam, king of Judah, and they will kill me and go back to Rechaboam, king of Judah. Therefore the king asked advice, made two calves of gold and said to the people, it is too much for you to go up to Jerusalem. Here are your gods, O Israel, which brought you up from the land of Egypt. And he set up one in Bethel and the other he put in Dan. Now this thing became a sin for the people went to worship before the one as far as Dan. He made shrines on the high places and made priests from every class of people who were not of the sons of Levi. Jeroboam ordered a feast on the 15th day of the eighth month like the feast that was in Judah and offered sacrifices on the altar. So he did at Bethel, sacrificing to the calves that he had made. And at Bethel, he installed the priests of the high places which he had made. So he made offerings on the altar which he had made at Bethel on the 15th day of the eighth month in the month which he had devised in his own heart. And he ordained a feast for the children of Israel and offered sacrifices on the altar and burned incense. May God add his richest blessing to the reading of this portion of his holy word. Will you pray with me please? Again, our Father, we're thankful for your word and we pray that by the power of your spirit that you would come and speak to us, that we pray that we would uh, hear the voice of our good shepherd, our Lord Jesus Christ. We pray that uh, his sheep, that we would know him and follow him and offer ourselves to him properly and sincerely in spite of the inability and sin of the preacher. In Jesus' name, amen. Be seated, please. Recipe for disaster. There are times that a great victory can begin with a slow start. About halfway through the baseball season last summer, after a particularly brutal game, I remember upstairs saying to Mr. Jonathan in his office, quote, this ain't our year. But thankfully I was wrong. Though they were under 500 at the All-Star break, the Braves wound up winning the World Series. But on the other hand, what ends in disaster can at times get off to a strong start. In World War II, the Axis powers were stunningly dominant at first, while the Allies looked doomed. 
But again, thankfully, the end result was quite the opposite of how it began. But the history of the northern kingdom of Israel was one that got off to a terrible start and remained terrible to the bitter end and its terrible fall. In the previous passage, we saw the initial split where the ten northern tribes broke off from the kingdom of David. Now in this passage, we see their start as a nation and as a kingdom. And what we see here at the very beginning of this nation, this kingdom, is a recipe for disaster. Let's get to it. First in this passage, we see unbelief unbelief. Look at verse 26. And Jeroboam said in his heart, now the kingdom may return to the house of David. If these people go up to offer sacrifices in the house of the Lord at Jerusalem, then the heart of this people will turn back to their Lord. Rechoboam, king of Judah, and they will kill me and go back to Rechoboam, king of Judah. Now remember, The Lord himself had promised Jeroboam this kingdom of these ten tribes. And you remember the Lord had promised Jeroboam that if he was faithful to obey his commands and keep his covenant, that he would bless him and make his kingdom and his house great just as he had promised King David. But now... We see in verse 26, Jeroboam begins to worry that he will lose power. The temple is down in Jerusalem. Jerusalem is in the south in the territory of Benjamin bordering Judah, the tribe of David. allied with Judah in the southern kingdom. And the people still have to go to the temple down in the capital of the other kingdom. Jeroboam fears that if the people keep going down to Jerusalem to worship, that they will be drawn back into the kingdom. You see, he thinks my people will go down to Jerusalem at Passover time to go to the temple And Passover is going to turn into old home week down into Jerusalem. And everyone will be so glad to see everybody that they will want to get the original kingdom back together and I will lose my dominion. 
So he comes up with a scheme. And we'll get to the scheme next, but it ended up leading to great abomination. But, but for now we see that it began here with simple unbelief. Jeroboam was not trusting the word. He was not trusting the promise of the Lord. In other words, he did not believe that the Lord was in fact trustworthy. And therefore he became insecure. There is a direct link between unbelief not trusting God and insecurity. They are directly bound to each other. You see, a person with an insecure personality, you know, a person always trying to manipulate a situation, or as they, they say in these days, uh, trying to frame the narrative. A person who always tries to take over, get control of a project. Person, a person who has that compulsion to control. These are all forms of insecurity and they are all evidences of a person who fundamentally does not trust God we've all been there some of us are there now but we simply cannot leave matters in God's hands and take them into our own hands at the same time. What are you trying to control? Who are you trying to control? Or perhaps we should ask, what are you not trusting the Lord with? We see unbelief. Secondly, in this passage, we see idolatry. Look at verse 28. Therefore the king asked advice, made two calves of gold, and said to the people, It is too much for you to go up to Jerusalem. Here are your gods, O Israel, which brought you up from the land of Egypt. And he set up one in Bethel, and the other he put in Dan. Here's the solution to the thing he's worried about. Jeroboam sets up places of worship up in the northern kingdom so the people don't have to go to all the trouble to go down to Jerusalem to the temple anymore. 
We read that he sets up these places of worship in Dan and Bethel. That would be both the northern and southern extremities of his territory. He's done this for convenience sake. Wherever they live, there'll be some place in their kingdom, his kingdom, they can go and worship without having to go down Jerusalem. It'd be closer. But here's the problem. If the people are not going to go down to the temple, the temple the Lord commanded and authorized, where the the Ark of the Covenant was, and though it was a temple, was generally built along the according to the stipulations for the tabernacle in the law of Moses. If the people are not going to use the temple the Lord commanded and instructed them to build, they basically must abandon the law of Moses. But but the reason Jeroboam's worried in the first place is he knows the people are religious. So he's got to find a way to satisfy their religious nature, scratch their religious itch, and get them to chunk the Bible at the same time. And that makes sense of the golden calves he set up. Uh, You know, this is not the first time this was tried. You all know the story. In Exodus, we talked about it with the children. After the Lord had parted the Red Sea and the people had gone through on dry land through the middle of the sea and then when Pharaoh and his army pursued and the Lord closed the sea back up and drowned them and saved his people. That after that, the Lord called Moses up on the Mount Sinai to receive the law of God. And while Moses was up there with the Lord, the people were down below making and worshiping a golden calf. That did not work out so well. And perhaps you, like me, when you read this, wondered why on earth of all things would Jeroboam make golden calves? Why would he pull the same stunt 600 years later? It's actually a common trick in religion. To say that there is an older tradition that has been lost, it's been suppressed, or it's been corrupted by the people in charge. Now, now sometimes it's true. was certainly true in Jesus' day, the men 
that ran the temple and ran Judaism had completely obscured the word of God with man-made traditions. But here in 1 Kings 12, this is an attack on the word of God itself. You see, this is Jeroboam's strategy. To say there was this old tradition in our history of worshiping a golden calf. But the people that got control stamped it out and suppressed it. And they gave us these old folk tales to get rid of calf worship. And you see, what we need to do is recover this lost legacy from our heritage. This is very popular today. Always has been. You hear claims like this. There were these other books, you see. These these older books, these, these other, there were many... Christian traditions, but you see the the evil church picked the 66 books they liked and suppressed the other ones. We need to recover these rich, diverse traditions that have been lost. But it has nothing in reality to do with recovering some old tradition, which in fact did not exist. It's a trick. It's a trick to try to get rid of the Bible. And go to something else. It's a neat trick. It's been in the world a long time. It's an effective trick. But it always leads to destruction. So we see... Unbelief. We see idolatry. And thirdly and finally in this passage, we see worship. 
worship. Look at verse 30. Now this thing became a sin. For the people went to worship before the one as far as Dan. And he made shrines on the high places and made priests from every class of people who were not of the sons of Levi. Jeroboam ordained a feast on the 15th day of the 8th month like the feast that was in Judah and offered sacrifices on the altar. So he did at Bethel, sacrificing the calves that he, to the calves that he had made. And at Bethel, he installed the priests of the high places which he had made. So he made offerings on the altar which he had made at Bethel on the 15th day of the eighth month in the month which he had devised in his own heart. And he ordained a feast for the children of Israel and offered sacrifices on the altar and burned incense. Now, we see in verse 30 that this thing became a sin for the people went to worship. And then it spreads as the people worship. Verse 31, he makes shrines on the high places. He makes priests from those who were not Levites. Not the tribe God set aside and called to be priests. Then he ordains feasts and sacrifices and the priest that he appointed kept the feast he had ordained. And the sacrifices he had commanded. You see, Jeroboam, for all his unbelief and his scheming and idolatry, understood that people need to worship. People were made to worship. Everyone worships. They may well worship the wrong object, but everyone worships and there's a phrase in the middle of verse 33 that goes right to the heart of all that's happening in this passage you see it says that he had made offerings and in the middle of verse 33 it says which he had devised in his own heart You see, ultimately and finally, we are given a choice. We were made to worship. And we can either worship 
the God who has revealed Himself to us in the way He has told us we should or we can worship in ways we devise in our own heart. We can either worship the God who has told us who He is or we can devise a God in our own heart of our own making. We can either worship Him as He has told us to or we can make it up ourselves. That's what it comes down to. This is why the worship of the ARP church is plain. We don't have images in our worship. We don't have pomp and circumstance and ceremony in our worship. God has not told us to worship Him in that way. But it appeals to the flesh. No show, no ceremony, any church can put on will generate, will have the ability to generate the excitement and fervor that will be generated tomorrow evening when Alabama plays Georgia. No church can put on a show that can stir you up like a marching band. Team running down the hill. That's not what God is looking for. He's seeking people who will worship Him in spirit and in truth. The simple truth He has revealed to His people according to His Word. Everyone inside wants to see God. That's the appeal of idolatry and images. But the scripture tells us that the true God is invisible. He is a spirit. But Colossians 1.15 tells us that the Lord Jesus Christ is the image of the invisible God. Hebrews tells us that Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact representation of his person. 
the express image of God. We worship the true God according to his word through his son, Jesus Christ. Jeroboam knew the heart of man. He knew his own heart. He knew people needed to worship. You and I have a need to worship. We can attempt to fill that need by the things we devise in our own hearts. Or we can come to the God who is according to his word on his terms. And his terms are his son is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through him. We don't need ceremony. We don't need images. We don't need a fancy religion. What we need is the blood of Jesus Christ alone. That's all you need. You need Jesus. And you may be trying to fill the hole inside of you with all kinds of things. But Jesus Christ is the only way. He is the image of the invisible God. There is no God, no Savior, but Jesus Christ. Throw away the things you have devised in your own heart. And trust, embrace, receive, and rest upon Jesus Christ as he is freely offered and clearly revealed to you in his word. Trust him alone. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, amen.